Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 256. The internet is a wealth of information and one of the best means to research pretty much anything, including your Royal Caribbean cruise. As soon as you book that Royal Caribbean cruise, very likely you're going to want to learn about what you can do on board, where you can eat, (laughs) what you can eat, what's included and not included, and a whole lot more. The answers to all of these questions and more can be found around the internet, and this week I talk about my favorite ways to learn everything I can about my upcoming Royal Caribbean ship. Here we go. Whether you're booking your first Royal Caribbean cruise or you've cruised with Royal Caribbean a number of times in the past, it seems as soon as you book a ship that you've not been on before, one of the first instincts you may have is to want to learn everything you can about the ship you're about to sail on, after, of course, gloating about it to friends and family, that you just booked a cruise, of course. And when I'm looking forward to a new ship that I've not been on before that I've booked, even I like to look forward and, and research all the things that the ship is going to offer. It's natural because, you know, you want to know what the ship offers, what it doesn't offer, maybe some hidden secrets on there, and really everything else in between. It's about standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak, and, you know, learning everything you can before the cruise. And they say knowledge is power. And the more you know what to expect on your Royal Caribbean cruise, the better prepared you will be. And quite frankly, I think that leads to a better vacation experience. My biggest fear when going on a cruise is FOMO, fear of missing out, that I'm going to go on the cruise, go through maybe the entire cruise, maybe half the cruise, whatever, and miss out on an experience or an activity or something I wish I would have done if I'd only known that it existed. Not that I couldn't have done it, just that I didn't know it was there. It wasn't a thing, right, that I was aware of. And the more research you do before your cruise, I really feel that helps not only mitigate that problem, but also open yourself to potentially things you weren't even aware of uh, being available on Royal Caribbean, and it's it's only to your benefit to learn all about that. So before you go on your cruise, there's a lot of great resources to learning about all of Royal Caribbean ships, activities, and whatnot, and this week I wanted to go over all the different avenues you can take to learn about this. Now, of course... I may be shamelessly plugging my own website and blog and podcast and videos and whatnot. Sorry, but not sorry. I am proud of the content we create here on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Granted, my website is not the end-all, be-all of everything Royal Caribbean yet. But the uh, there's lots of great resources out there. But I should warn you that there's a lot of shameless plugs coming your way. So... Anyway, let's start off with one of the best avenues to learn about a cruise, and this is great for first-time cruisers especially, something that I still use to this day, travel agents. Travel agents are more than just people that book a cruise for you. I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions about a travel agent. They're not just a glorified way of booking the cruise. In fact, they are wonderful resources that provide a lot of personal and customizable information out there. Don't forget, these people have gone on a lot of the Royal Caribbean ships themselves and can speak to their own personal experience in helping you make the decisions. Now, travel agents are a good jumping off point if you're new to cruising, I think, more than anything. But certainly, if they've been on a ship that you haven't been on, it's great to be able to hear about their experiences, especially when you're trying to maybe pick a ship over another ship or after you just book something, you want to know about you know certain guidelines or ideas. Ideas. A great suggestion I heard from my travel agent was when I went to go book Explorer of the Seas to Alaska. You know, we're coming from the East Coast, and the idea that, you know, ordinarily I always book late seating. And the travel agent warned me, says, don't forget, you're going to be on the West Coast. So, you know, with the time change, you know, what was late seating is going to be like midnight for us. Granted, I said, I didn't take the advice anyway. I said, you know, I'm okay, I'll deal with it. But, you know, this is the kind of stuff that you really can, can glean from a travel agent. And, 
they just have a lot of great personal experience. So again, working with a good travel agent can really help you with you know getting ideas on shore excursions, stateroom types, finding obviously a good deal on there, and really you know sharing their own stories and whatnot. Oftentimes, you may find yourself just, you know, you call the travel agent to make a booking and you'll spend an hour just sharing stories. It's like war stories, right? Or, you know, that um, that Bruce Springsteen song, Glory Days, right? When the song all they talk about is Glory Days, we can talk about his past cruises and kind of, you know, share war stories with that. That's the kind of fun part about it. So definitely a great starting point for anybody who's booking a cruise. I also, of course, being the geek that I am, a lot of these uh, resources we're going to talk about are becoming online. Facebook groups are actually a really good avenue to learn about your cruise. Uh, arguably, the fastest growing venue for learning about your cruise and meeting other people on board are Facebook groups. What I love about Facebook groups are they're not usually run by a particular group or an entity. They're just people kind of coming together and creating a group for the sailing you happen to be going on. There's actually Facebook groups for individual sailings, also for ships and Royal Caribbean in general. And it's a great place to just learn about Royal Caribbean. You don't have to necessarily go in there and start asking a bunch of questions. You certainly can. You should feel free to. But in a lot of cases, you can just sit back and look through the different comments and posts that have been made over there and learn a lot. It's a great sharing resource I am part of a number of Facebook groups, and I got to tell you that it's a great way not only to be aware of what's happening in Royal Caribbean, but also to hear other people's experiences, especially when there's some topics that come up, like especially dining and staterooms, some some kind of wide-ranging topics you're going to get a lot of feedback on. Uh, some of my favorite Facebook groups, Royal Caribbean One Love, shout out to Noemi over there, Cruise Life Group, uh, Royal Caribbean Cruises, the Royal Caribbean Dining Group, which I happen to run, and there's a lot of other great ones there as well. And be sure to check them out. Just go to Facebook and either search for you know Royal Caribbean uh, in the Facebook groups section, or actually search for the ship themselves. A lot of the ships themselves have their own groups now. They may not be that large, and some groups are definitely larger than others, and some are smaller than others. But it's not really about the size necessarily. You just need to have an active discussion in there. And again, there's really no risk in joining because if, <laughs> if no one's posting, you can always leave and never come back to it. Naturally, I'm a big fan of podcasts, and while there aren't that many cruising podcasts out there, I do think podcasts are a great avenue for learning about your cruise. I'm certainly hopeful that this particular podcast you're listening to has been proven to be helpful to you. There's also some other great podcasts that are out there about cruising in general, uh, and they focus on obviously other cruise lines as well, but I'll tell you, even listening to other cruise line-specific podcasts or just cruising podcasts in general, a lot of the advice can be applied to pretty much any cruise line. Unless they're talking about, you know, reviewing a specific restaurant or a ship, a lot of the general advice, kind of strategies you can learn from these podcasts can be applied to Royal Caribbean or really any cruise line in general. So just because an episode is focusing on planning or, or a recent cruise review on a different line, you may still be able to get other information out there that you can apply towards your own reservation. And of course, there's uh, the of the few that are out there. Of course, Cruise Radio is out there. Cruise Dudes podcast. I've been on both, I should add, and the Disney Cruise Line blog podcast. All good ones to uh, check out in your spare time. Now, for websites and blogs, there's a lot. Now, of course, RollerCreamBlog.com. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention there's a ton of other great resources out there. And like the site, most cruising sites deal with a blend of cruise news and cruise information. While you may be focused on learning about your particular sailing, knowing what's happening in the world of cruising is also not a bad idea because a lot of trends in cruising travel from one cruise line to another. So being aware of what Carnival or Norwegian or Disney is doing can be a good barometer of what to expect, especially with when it comes to Royal Caribbean. 
And unlike RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, cruising websites are dedicated to the whole cruising industry. So there's a lot of good way that you can find out about not only other cruise lines, but also, and Royal Caribbean, I should add, because they do cover Royal Caribbean. But they'll also cover, you know, obviously ports of call, policies, and, you know, a ton of stuff out there. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of websites dedicated to cruising that are out there. I mean, I can, I'm can. i going to rattle off a couple to you here, but you know, understand that unlike the podcast, there's a ton more options out there. You've got Cruise Critic, you have Cruise Hive, Cruise Fever, Cruise Habit. Of course, Billy's been on here from CruiseHabit.com. Eat, Sleep, Cruise. These are all really good venues for you to you know follow on social media, bookmark them, check them out in your spare time because, again, they've got a lot of great advice, especially for first-timers and you know top X stuff, you know, the top 10 lists and those kinds of content, you'll find a lot in there. Something that I think floats under the radar in terms of learning about your cruise ship is probably Pinterest. And I hate to sound cliched about this, but as a guy, I don't usually go over Pinterest all that often. But I got to tell you, Pinterest is really good at, well, being able to find things that decorate your kids' bedrooms and a recipe for dinner. But in addition to that, there's also some really good cruising content on there. You can search Pinterest for Packing tips, that's a really good spot to find packing tips on there, like packing lists, uh, cruise reviews, shore excursion ideas, and even stateroom decorating ideas. You can all find them in bunches on Pinterest, and it's a great resource for it because, again, you get so much of that type of content in this site. And, like, you know, where Facebook is great for learning about, you know, answering general questions, I find Pinterest is really good at giving you lists and ideas you might not have considered before. So, you know, again, it all complements each other quite a bit. Now, if you like a more visual approach to learning about your cruise ships, I got to tell you, documentaries are great. There are a number of documentaries that are out there that have been made over the last, let's say, 20 years or so. Most of them are out of date by now. And what I mean by out of date is while the ships are still in Royal Caribbean's fleet, they're before, you know, one or two refurbishments that have already happened, policy changes and whatnot. But I got to tell you, I have watched many of them over and over and over again, regardless of the fact that they're kind of outdated, just because of the fact it's fun to watch documentaries about cruise ships. Now, don't worry, these aren't the documentaries you watched in, like, sixth grade science class. These are, like, you know, whimsical looks at what it's like to go on a cruise in many cases. There are some documentaries that actually look at how cruise ships are built and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff there, uh, but there's also some others as well. Not all of them are on TV. First place you should go is select your DVR and go to your guide and search for Royal Caribbean. You may find some reruns that are out there, but in my experience, uh, they're either going to be on like places like YouTube. Uh, you can purchase some of them actually on the Amazon Video Store, on iTunes, and if you happen to get a channel called AWE TV. AWE, awe, I guess is how you say it. It's this weird network that I didn't know I had. It's like a kind of a travel channel light. I don't know. But anyway, they have a series called Dream Cruises. And by far, it's the best cruise ship documentary I've ever seen. Again, they were all made. There's a number of real cruises. They're all made probably now 10 years ago easily. But it's still fun to watch. And I got to tell you that no matter which one you're watching, there's been a number on the Science Channel, Discovery Channel, AWE, as I mentioned, and some others here and there. It, it's a nice way to get excited for your cruise. Maybe you don't learn that much about it. Maybe you do. Who knows? But it's it's there's a lot of entertainment value that comes with it. Now, speaking of watching things, YouTube is, again, a wonderful venue for learning about your cruise. And there's so many great videos to watch. And my kids love watching YouTube videos of the ships we're going to be going on because it allows you not only to learn about the ship, but also give you a, a visualization of what to expect. And you're going to find all sorts of YouTube videos, right? You'll have like in-depth 
well-polished reviews. You're going to have somebody's just home videos they put together from their crews, a bunch of photos that they've arranged in a kind of almost a slideshow that is a video kind of thing, and really everything else in between. There's a ton of stuff in there, and I will tell you no matter which ship you're talking about in Royal Caribbean's fleet, you could spend days watching YouTube and looking at these different videos. What I like to do, obviously just beyond visualizing, oh, you know, whatever's on there, walkthrough videos are really good because it allows you to see what's on board the ship, the venues. Uh, I will tell you, though, of course, when you're looking at any YouTube video, check the date it was produced because Royal Caribbean updates the ships quite often, right? And if you're looking at a navigator that sees video from, you know, 2013 or 2012, a lot has changed since then. Likewise, Independence of the Seas and Mariner of the Seas have just finished their refurbishments, which means there's been a lot of changes to those ships. So you don't necessarily need to only watch videos in the last week, but be cognizant of videos that are more than, I'd say, a year or two old. You know, it can sometimes vary. Also, don't limit yourself to just a, to ship stuff on YouTube. Of course, learning about your ports, excursions. Royal Caribbean also posts a lot of excursion videos on there as well. So, you know, there's a lot of things you can watch on there, and it's a great, you know, sit on the couch Gather the family around and watch those videos because you're going to find a lot of great resources on there to learn about your Royal Caribbean cruise. Now, of course, one of my tried and true methods to learn about your cruise is to read a past cruise compass. And we obviously have an archive of those at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I'll post the link in our show notes at RoyalCaribbeanBlog for uh, the direct link to it. But you just go to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, go to our main menu. You'll find a link there for the cruise compasses. And the cruise compass is just... They're the best way to actually get a really good idea of what to expect. I often tell people it's not going to be exactly 100% what's going to be available on your ship, but it will give you a ballpark idea of what to expect. And, of course, a lot of the venues don't change, right? It's just the matter of, like, which comedian will be on your sailing or which movie will be shown. Or maybe they do activity B instead of activity A. That, that That's not the issue. It's more about understanding all the types of entertainment that are available and kind of understanding, okay, there are movies shown and they'll be shown in these kind of venues. Okay, there will be a comedian on this night. The first night, there's only one show. On the last day, there are two shows. You know, just understanding timing and things like that are really, I think, really helpful for just wrapping your head around all the different options that are out there because, you know, it's hard to make generalizations these days about what's available on on Royal Caribbean ships because we, it used to be easier when we say, okay, Voyager class ships offer this, Freedom class ships offer that, and Radiant class ships offer, you know, that. It's not the case anymore because of all the refurbishments and changes and, you know, every ship is kind of its own little micro-ecosystem. So a past cruise compass, even one within the last year or two, is going to give you a pretty good idea, a more specific idea of what you can expect on board. And I think a, a, a past cruise compass is one of my first starting points for looking at it. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to be one that was like last month or last week. Even a cruise compass that is one or even two years old probably is still going to give you a pretty good idea. Now, the exception, of course, is when there's refurbishments. So be aware of when your ship was last refurbished. And you can find that information at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Search the blog for the ship you're going on. You'll probably find some blog posts about maybe a past one or an upcoming refurbishment. Because, of course, when those happen, that's when a number of changes can potentially occur to the ship. I say potentially because not all refurbishments are massive makeovers. Some are just bringing them into the shop to get some basic work done. You know, like when you bring your car in for an oil change, you know, you just it's just under the hood work. Whereas other ones like Independence of the Seas just had one, Mariner of the Seas recently just finished up one as well, where they really go to town with adding new features. That can change it quite a bit. But again, uh, 
regardless of which ship you're talking about, I really feel like looking at the uh, past cruise compass is a really excellent way to learn about your cruise. And of course, last but not least, check out the Royal Caribbean's cruise planner. And this is the on the Royal Caribbean website where you go to actually buy things like shore excursions and drink packages and whatnot. And by going to this site, not only can you obviously purchase these things, but more importantly, you can be aware of the, what's available on your ship. A lot of the policies and a lot of the options offered may vary from ship to ship and even sailing to sailing. So logging on there is a great way to be aware of those things. Like as an example, if you're on a quantum class or an Oasis class ship, you are going to have the option to pre-book entertainment via the cruise planner. Those are only two classes of ship that offer that option at this time. So, you know, obviously going on there, you can learn about what shows are able to show times and kind of, you know, start planning out your day. Now, again, a lot of the options that show up in the cruise planner will take some time to show up there. So if you book your cruise, you know, a year or so in advance because you listen to my advice, that's great. But you may not find a whole lot of stuff available yet on there. Keep checking back. But the cruise planner really is a great way of understanding pricing and being able to really budget and and plan around the different options that are there. It's certainly something I check quite often for any cruise I'm going on. And again, I think there is some, for lack of a better word, educational value for it because it is the best way to understand what's going to be, at least some of what's going to be offered on board your Royal Caribbean ship. And hopefully this provides a little bit of help. And I'm sure there's some other ways people have over the years learned about their Royal Caribbean cruise. So if you've learned about your cruise another way that I haven't covered here, please let me know in the comments here on this episode at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So that way other people can also glean that information. Because you know what? At the end of the day, we're all trying to just get excited for our cruise, and also maybe even learn a few things that we weren't aware that our ship has to offer. All right, let's answer your Royal Caribbean emails. This is the part of the episode where I go into the Royal Caribbean blog inbox, pull out some emails, and we answer them here together. And of course, you can always email me your questions, comments, concerns, or really anything you got on your mind about Royal Caribbean by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at royalgreenblog.com. Our first email this week is from Roger and Carol Miller of Finally Thawed Tundra, Wisconsin, a.k.a. I Love 4 and 6 in the message boards and recent podcast subscribers. And they write, Hi, Matt. My wife and I have greatly enjoyed your podcast and the awesome website we, as we've got back into cruising this year. Your advice... Uh, from other, your advice and advice from others on the message boards have greatly enhanced our cruise experience. Please feel free to share any of this part of this email on your podcast. Some of the feedback may be of interest to other newbies planning their cruise on an Oasis class ship. Um, so here are the key takeaways from there. And of course, uh, Roger and Carol provided a lot of great information. And Roger and Carol, I would recommend you guys actually just copy and paste this bad boy and go back to our message boards at relevantblog.com and paste it there because there's some really good stuff. But I want to go over some key takeaways from them about the Oasis class or Oasis of the Seas. They went on a Eastern Caribbean sailing back in February. And here are the takeaways. Arrive in or near your departure port the day before your cruise. Reserve entertainment before the cruise. No cost for this. Check Royal Caribbean's current policy on forbidden items. No more innocuous-looking extension cords for us. Try specialty dining, but check out the main dining room on formal nights to sample some of the best food, including your cruise fare. Take a few minutes to get to know your main dining room waiter and room steward on the first day of your cruise. They helped us optimize our dining and entertainment schedules to get more out of our cruise. Get your picture taken at least a couple times by Royal Caribbean photographers. Consider buying a drink package on a cruise that has several sea days 
plus a day at a Royal Caribbean private island. If we had a more port-intensive itinerary with no stop at a Royal Caribbean private island where the drink package is included, we probably would not have bought the full package. But it was fun to sample a broad range of drinks, including several tasty dessert martinis at the champagne bar, just not all on the same night. And finally, use self-disembarkation for a couple or a small group. Although we had the lineup early in the morning, once the line started moving, we were off the ship in a few minutes and to the rental car counter before the big crowds hit. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Thanks to all the members who contribute to the informative message boards at the Royal Caribbean blog website. Wow, thank you so much for the email and the recommendations. I pretty much agree with everything you said there. The first one was really important. Arrive to your cruise board at least a day ahead of time. You don't want to be that person on a YouTube video freaking out at the airport because the plane's delayed and that means you're going to miss your flight. It's just not worth it. Get there an extra day. I know you got to pay for an extra hotel. It's worthwhile. Trust me, your your anxiety levels are not worth sacrificing <laughs> in order to save some money on a hotel. It's a great way to start your vacation a little bit earlier. And again, avoid those pre, uh, or I guess, travel delays that can potentially make you uh, miss the cruise, quite honestly. Uh, everything else I pretty much agree with. Uh, I think getting your picture taken at least a couple times by the photographers is a really good idea. Uh, even if you don't buy the photos, it's okay. There's no cost. I don't like they charge you when you take the photo. Nothing wrong with you know, seeing how it comes out, and maybe you buy one, maybe you don't. I will tell you that our entire house, or almost our entire house, except for our wedding photos, I think pretty much every other photo we have of someone in our family, like my, you know, either my wife or my kids, is from a Royal Caribbean cruise. It's just a natural place to take really nice photos because we're already dressed up anyway in most cases, and it's a great way to remember those memories, and I couldn't agree more. So, guys, thanks so much for the email. Let's keep things moving with our next email. It is from uh, Jamal Ross of Orlando, Florida. And Jamal says, I found your podcast last week after realizing that I love podcasts and I'm a cruise addict. Then why not search for a cruise podcast? Then bam, I found you. I've been binging ever since and enjoying the wealth of information you provide. Thank you. First, a mini review. I live in Orlando, Florida and have cruised out of Port Canaveral, Port Miami, Cape Liberty, and Fort Everglades. Uh, we have been about on 17 cruises total, with eight of them being on Royal Caribbean. Although I've often heard praise about the boarding experience at Port Everglades, especially on your podcast, my experience was the total opposite. My wife, two children, who were two and four, and I were lucky to get a deal on the U.S. inaugural Harmony of the Seas cruise back in November 2016. We arrived before 11 a.m. until with no traffic until we arrived at the port. Even with the assistance from the police and parking attendants, the lines were so backed up and unorganized that it took over an hour just to park. Once we arrived at the port, the lines were outside the facility. Even after taking advantage of all the pre-boarding and check-in procedures, we still ended up waiting over two and a half hours to board. By the time we boarded the ship, all the restaurants had closed and prepped for the mustard drill. And this to say, my poor children and wife were grumpy and starving during the drill. The boarding process was so bad that Royal Caribbean gave free Wi-Fi for the duration of the cruise due to the inconvenience. I praise Royal Caribbean for being accommodating, but I vowed never to go out of Port Everglades again. Frankly, I was shocked when people on the podcast spoke of so smooth embarkation. He to say, uh, our harmony of the cruise was... Uh, awesome after that. I'm going to stop Jamal right there for a second. I was on the same sailing, and I can tell you that this wasn't Rose's fault. This was an outlier situation because uh, that ship was the first sailing after coming over from the transatlantic, Jamal. And as a result, the U.S. Uh, Coast Guard had to do a mandatory inspection, and that pushed it back, I would say, about two hours before boarding started. And I was, again, I was on that ship. I sat in Port Everglades. We didn't board. I don't think boarding began until at least after the noon hour, which is crazy, right? So I will tell you, this was an outlier. I, I hate to say I guarantee you because I can't guarantee you, but I would be willing to bet you a few beers 
in the pub on your favorite Royal Caribbean ship, Jamal, that if you went back on port uh, at a cruise in uh, from Port Everglades again, assuming it's not a ship that comes in from Transatlantic, you won't have that problem again. It was an outlier situation. It again, only, when when any Royal Caribbean ship or any cruise ship for that matter comes to the United States after uh, from overseas, not not from like a cruising or transatlantic repositioning kind of thing, they go through a much longer in depth. Uh, inspection process, and that will back everything up. It's just, this is not real Caribbean. They can't do anything about it. This is a government regulation, and it just happens. And again, I was on that sailing, Jamal. Then I went on uh, another sailing just right after that, and had no issues whatsoever. So it's something to keep in mind, and for those folks who are maybe going on the Symphony of the Sea sailing, and there's a four-nighter when she arrives in, in Port Miami in November, expect the same thing. I'm on that sailing. I'm still going to show up at 10 a.m., but I'm going to be bringing some, something to read or something to do because I figure it's going to be another backup like that. Again, just customs. All right. So Jamal has some questions, and here we go. Uh, my family of four and my friend's family of three are going on something that sees December 2018 to Port Miami for seven days. It'll be my third Oasis-class ship, but his family's first. Now for the questions. Number one, I know Royal Caribbean has a preferred time for people to start arriving, which I usually follow, but how early can we really arrive and board the ship? Great question. The boarding time you get from Royal Caribbean for anybody is a suggestion not a requirement. What I mean by that is they tell you to do that, but there's no enforcement of it. There's no reason you can't show up earlier. I often, you can show up at, I mean, heck, you can show up anytime you want, really. But 10 a.m. is pretty much the normal time to show up because in most cases, Jamal, the, the uh, terminal facility doesn't usually open up for guests to get in until about 10 a.m. anyway, so there's really no point in showing up earlier unless you just want to stand outside, I guess. But 10 a.m. is when you can start showing up, and then boarding usually begins in the 11 o'clock hour, emphasis on usually, as you've seen. Number two, we have a five, six, and seven-year-old going on the cruise. I know the Adventure Ocean program will be separating the five-year-old from the others. What is the likelihood of getting the five-year-old bumped up to the same as the others? What strategy can I use to make it happen, if any? So I have also experienced in this because my kids are of a similar age. Um, being able to move a kid up a level or down a level, you know, from uh, aquanauts to explorers or explorers to aquanauts or voyagers to, uh, to explore, something like that, depends on two primary factors. One how crowded the ship is, right? If there's not a lot, if there's a lot of kids and they're really jammed up, there's not a whole lot they can do even if they wanted to do it. But number two, arguably more importantly, it's up to the staff. Even if your kid is the only kid on there, which is not going to happen, it's up to the staff if they want to do that because technically speaking, the groupings of Adventure Ocean, Aquanauts is three to five, Explorers six to eight, Voyagers nine to 11. Those group, nine to 12, whatever it is, the, the, the groupings are meant to be not only uh, age-specific to keep, obviously, you know, the older kids from, you know, <laughs> messing with the younger kids, but also uh, subject-specific that it's going to hold their attention and not be too juvenile or, or too advanced for them. So, again, is has it happened before? Absolutely. What you should do is go on embarkation day, register your kids for Adventure Ocean, just like you would do on any cruise, and then explain the situation and see what happens. You never know. I've had it. I've seen it happen both ways, you know, moving up or going down. But again, it depends on how crowded they are and, of course, the staff. And you, as the parent, need to be, A, very nicely putting all this, right, not demanding, asking, smile on your face, and most importantly, be okay if the answer is no, because at the end of the day, that's kind of the way it goes. Jamal's third question. Since it is too early to see the dates and times for onboard activities, where can I find an extensive list of ship offerings and whether a cost is associated? We want to be prepared to book everything as soon as they are available on the cruise planner. Great question, Jamal. The, a past cruise compass is the way to go. I can already tell you that we already have some on Symphony of the Seas, cruise compasses, that is. And even though it's in Europe, Jamal, it's going to be things that cost money in, in 
Europe are going to cost money over here and vice versa. You shouldn't expect too much uh, discrepancy, I should say, between the two of that. So look at a past cruise compass. You're good to go. Number four, we plan on having a drink package on this cruise, but was confused with the coffee options. I'm pretty sure you can't use the drink package at Starbucks, but isn't there a place on board that also offers Starbucks coffee that you still get with your drink package? Yes. So you're, you're right about both on both counts. You cannot use your drink package benefits, uh, which is premium coffee or premium tea, at a freestanding Starbucks locations. On Oasis-class ships, there is a Starbucks kiosk. Like, it's, it says Starbucks on the top, and it looks like a Starbucks kiosk, and it's run by baristas there. You can't use it there. However, you can get premium coffee and premium teas at Cafe Promenade, at any specialty restaurant on board the ship. Those are all included there. So you just can't go to the Starbucks kiosk, but they do serve on board at Cafe Promenade. They'll serve... It's not Starbucks anymore. It used to be... Now I've seen... I think they've all really switched to... Uh, Italy, the Italian coffee brand. Anyway, it's the same difference. Right? You can still get your macchiatos and your lattes and your espressos over there. It's just different wording and different beans. But you can still get your premium coffees at places like Cafe Promenade primarily. Uh, especially restaurants, they, off, they offer usually special-based drinks as well. So that's where you're going to go. And lastly, I usually book and plan all my cruises myself, but your support of using a travel agent has got me interested. I guess I consider myself pretty uh, intense when it comes to my cruises, and I'm reluctant to hand it off the reins to someone else. I still have some time to transfer my cruise and wondered if you had any recommendations for a seasoned travel agency. Thanks again for your podcast. Thanks for all the time that you took to read them my email. Jamal, my pleasure, my friend. I'll tell you that... One of the, I think one of the misconceptions about a travel agent is that you lose control over it. You only lose control, and I use that phrasing loosely, over the idea that you can't cancel the reservation or change staterooms or make payments, quite frankly. Those are all things a travel agent does. But everything else, you know, booking your restaurants, uh, booking shore excursions, entertainment... You know, basically anything you can do in the cruise planner, you still get to do. It's just the, to me, I think it's the boring things you can't do anymore. Oh, I can't sit on hold and call Royal Caribbean anymore? Oh, darn. I can't ask them to move my room or reprice my cruise for me? Gee, what am I going to do with all my extra time? You know, like, that is, that's a gain, not a loss, in my opinion. Of course, uh, Jamal, I, uh, full disclosure, uh, MEI Travel is a sponsor of RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, but I always recommend them. I use them myself when I book my cruises. And I think it's definitely the way to go for you as well uh, when you're looking to uh, use a travel agent. My recommendation is, Jamal, use them for one cruise, you know, see how it goes. And I, I think that, you know, you're going to find that there's a, there's a benefit to it, especially if you end up using them more than once. Because as they start to learn your habits and what you're looking to do, it really just, it's going to save you time more than anything. It'll save you time. Maybe it'll save you some money, too. That's even better. Uh, but there you go. So, um Good stuff, Jamal. These are really good questions. Thank you for for asking them because I think we haven't really covered some of those topics before or not anytime recently. Next, we have an email from James Woodward, uh, JMW4004 on Periscope. Matt, recently found your podcast. You mentioned something I have wondered about but never knew how to figure out. You mentioned that there were people that preferred their cruise fare being reduced $100 while others would prefer an extra $100 onboard credit. I would consider those two options not only wonderful but an even trade. I wouldn't have a preference either way, but perhaps I'm missing something. Not sure if this would be an interesting podcast episode or not, but I'd love to hear someone from each side explain why they prefer one over the other. Regarding your blog posts, listening to your podcast along with Facebook Live and Periscope has made me much more informed and a curious cruiser. When I first started cruising, I didn't know I didn't know that your fare might be reduced or that your onboard credit might be increased. Now I know enough to make sure I'm making the wisest decision. You've been an invaluable help in moving our cruise vacations from basic to 
outstanding. Thank you for all you do. Keep up the good work. James, thank you for the kind words, dude. And I'll tell you, I struggle with, you know, onboard credit or or cruise fare discounts all the time. I think at this point in my life, oh man, I just changed my mind. I was going to say, I think I prefer the cruise fare discount. You know, I'd rather get $100 off the cruise fare than $100 to spend on board. That being said, it's nice to have that onboard credit. I got to tell you, you kind of feel like you're, you know, Eddie Murphy in trading places after he trades places. You kind of like, hey, this is pretty nice, you know? Um, I, I, you know, I, I, to James's point, if you're if you're a fan of one over the other and you really feel strongly that onboard credit is better than a cruise fare discount of the same amount or vice versa... Please send me an email, matt at realcrimmonblog.com. I would love to hash it out and hear about it because it's the same difference. Either you're paying it up front or you're not. I think the, the best argument I can make if I were to be take the lawyer approach to this is that it's better to get the cruise fare discount because the onboard credit pays for cruise purchases, right? But those are things that you may or may not take advantage of. And more importantly, you can also take advantage of those things you know, before the cruise via the cruise planner and break up the total cost of the cruise. But the cruise fare is something that, you know, you can't ever get a discount on. You can, you may be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to get an on, you know, a drink package or a shore excursion, right? And save money that way. So I don't need the onboard credit. But at the end of the day, you got to pay the cruise fare no matter what. So, you know, it's more money that you're not paying in the cruise fare is more money that you can either be using towards those purchases or maybe even just another cruise in general. You know, that's the best argument I could think of. But maybe I'm missing something for, especially if you're going to be the onboard credit kind of person. Um, I will tell you, it's really nice having it. Uh, next email is from Sean and Samantha. I recently stumbled upon your podcast and I've been going through episodes like crazy. I have two current cruises booked at the moment. Also, I've been on four cruises, two Royal and two Carnival. Uh, we're going on Adventure of the Seas and an Anthem of the Seas for our honeymoon. I've heard you talk about booking now and then visiting the next cruise office and selecting the better deal. This leads me to my questions. Number one. When I booked my second cruise on Anthem of the Seas, I did the non-refundable deposit to obtain more onboard credit before listening to this episode, or the podcast, I should say. Can I still rebook the next cruise office? Yes, you can. Uh, you can always, even if you have a non-refundable fare, you can rebook for the same sailing you're on. Same ship, same sail date, no problem. You can change rooms. You can rebook the same room if the price is dropped. There's no penalty associated with that. You only incur a penalty with the non-refundable fares if you're trying to change ship change the sale date of the ship you're on or both <laughs> uh, or cancel it outright. And also uh, that leads them to their other question. My fiance and I want to book a cruise in December of 2019. The better deal is the non-refundable deposit, but if we can't rebook on next cruise, which you can, so don't worry about that, would it make more sense to do a refundable and then rebook it possibly in July on our adventure sailing? Thanks in advance for your help. Keep up the amazing podcast. I'll answer that. First of all, you can, obviously I just mentioned, you can still rebook uh, even if you have a non-refundable. It's just a matter of um, applying it there. I'll tell you that my advice uh, in general, especially as a resident, I think Sean and Samantha, you guys are from the U.S. If you live in the U.S., Canada, or Australia, where you can rebook and cancel without, sorry, rebook and reprice uh, with, with no penalty up until final payment date, uh, you should definitely do that. And my advice is, if you know you want to go on a cruise in December of 2019, book it now. Like, literally, like, make plans to book it as soon as you can. Lock in the price that it is now. Because the worst thing that you could happen is you say, oh, we're going to wait till we get on board the ships and we can get whatever onboard credit they're giving us, you know, for booking on board, which is nice. But if the price goes up between now and then, if you're actual sailing, to a point where the onboard credit you're getting is negated or, or wash, there, there's no real benefit to it. So the only standard benefit, I feel, to book it early like now and then consider rebooking once on board 
you know, the refundable versus non-refundable, you're asking the wrong guy. And I'm going to tell you why. I still have yet to book a non-refundable fare, which is ludicrous from a logical standpoint because I have like Royal Caribbean blog group cruises, right? These are cruises, group cruises that I am leading. So there is no way I am not going on these cruises. And yet I still don't book them non-refundable. I don't ask me why. I've tried going over it and hashing through it and trying to figure out why. I just have been hesitant to go down that road for whatever reason. It makes it, maybe it helps me sleep at night. Who knows? But the, you know, certainly booking the refundable option now and seeing what the you know how the fare goes and the benefits later on. You can always change to it later on, right? You can always back down or go down to non-refundable and, and take advantage of that if there's a better deal down the road. But there's no also there's like I would say there's there's less risk with the refundable option up front. The bottom line is if you're looking at the cruise fare right now. Uh, Sean and Samantha, and you're looking at it and say, you know what, this cruise in December 2019, we can live with this fare. It's not like unreasonable, right? We could, you know, if we were to, if this were the price, we could deal with it. I would recommend booking it now. And then again, when you get on board, whatever ship you're going on, Anthem, some other ship, uh, Adventure, right? Uh, you can then reprice it and take advantage of the price drop potentially if there is one. And if not, you'll have the satisfaction knowing you booked it well in advance and got the best possible price, which to me, I think is, you know, quite frankly, a really good uh, uh, feeling to have. So thank you so much for the email. Thank you to everybody for the great emails this week. It's been some really good discussions here. And of course, you can always send me your emails uh, by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.